Oh, baby. <laughs> Coming at your life. Torture too. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that. I'm not very good podcast. <laughs> Welcome. We're here. Sean and Cass back at it again. Patreon.com slash Church of Chill. We're doing our thing. Veryape.tv. <laughs> you want to just shout out websites the whole time? <laughs> Ebombsworld.com. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the first website that comes into my head when I think about a website. It might be your most visited website ever, do you think? Whoa. You might be right. You might be right about that. How many years has it been since you've looked at Ebombs World? Is, does e- it even exist anymore? Yeah, no, it still exists. I don't. I don't go on there, but that's that used to be like my go-to. That used to be like my homepage when I opened up my browser. And that was, it was like fails and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just a collection of cringy fails, and no. I'm like kind of forgetting fails bloopers. Just feels reductive. Yeah, like uh, twisted Joker stuff. Twisted, yeah, twisted, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I got I got addicted um, to the internet, like right, like right when it came out, I, I got addicted because where I was living down in Florida, we got like a cable modem. It was like they were like testing this product in like 1998 um, high speed internet. And it goes. That's what it used to do. That that those them's was the old days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about no sound whatsoever. You're just on the internet. You don't even have to click anything, whatever. Uh-huh. I got on there, and I think, you know, there, there wasn't much to do on the internet back then. Just like chat, e bombs world. It's funny because I feel. Style like, project. I feel like I used to do a lot more on the internet, and everything's reduced to very simple places where you go get your media yeah. and news and content. Like, I used to have all these different browsers like e bombs. I mean, I don't know if that was. Mm-hmm. Or like, I'd read from New York Mag, or I'd read this, and now I'm just like. Everything has become like social media has allowed it to be like a curated space. You don't even have to go into those sites. I don't know. I don't think that's for the better necessarily. No, it definitely had more of a Wild West feel back in the day. Mm -hmm. You know, now it has like a Disney Wild West feeling. Mm -hmm. Everything is everything's in its right place and everyone's playing the character or whatever. But back in the day, you know, you'd stumble across something and be like, what the heck is this? Is this legal? Is this allowed? It's kind of crazy. I don't know if maybe we're just out of touch and there is a Wild West Internet that we just, you know, like the dark web or whatever it is. And we're just like not savvy enough to navigate it. Yeah. But it does feel like because Google owns YouTube and the search browser and there's really no big competitors that people use. It's like we're very much the opposite of the Wild West. We're like, think about this. If you search this, this is what you'll find. And everyone's getting shown the same stuff with the same searches. And Yeah. uh, What the heck? I don't like it. No, no, because uh, there's a homogenization going on a little bit. You know, we focus a lot on, on like the polarities, like, oh my God, look how extreme this faction is, look extreme that. But most people have been like homogenized mm-hmm. into a thing. I, I talk about it all the time. Like when I was coming up, like, and this wasn't a long time ago, this is in the 90s, late 80s, when I was going to school, there was like, you know, people had different tastes and things and like really like just a whole different approaches to life based on those tastes and like you know it's like there's goths there's punks there's jocks there you know there there was like all these like just different factions that i feel like over time is like kind of just becoming like top 40 like you're just someone who likes top 40 yeah and that can include punk music it can include goth music r&b rap hip-hop pop pop. did i name every genre no i'm just kidding yeah (laughs) yeah 
You named one genre, top 40. That's, yeah, top 40. It's everything. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, homogenization. Maybe it's not a bad thing. I don't know. I, I think that's... Well, it's it becomes a bad thing when uh, we're being monopolized and whoever's doing it has, like, a certain viewpoint that if you stray from that viewpoint, your perspective isn't represented, you know? Like, yeah. I look at certain news sites, and I'm like, oh, there's a whole population of people whose perspective isn't represented here. Yeah. And it's very concerning, so. Yeah, very, very Not touchy. to start on the... The touchy subjects. Well, not to start on the darkness of our life, dark days. Uh, every, it feel, we feel like we're in an upside-down world, at least to me. Mm. I don't know. I just remember being a kid and being like, why can't we all get along? And I still have that like question i'm like why can't we figure out how to get along and love each other and represent each other and not be scared of each other and not be scared of other people wanting to uh live and live and let live yeah yeah it's like uh it's like it's like humanity got like infected at some point with a, a disease that makes you think a certain way and it's and it's very much based on um hoarding resources and becoming wealthy and greed and like it's almost like we we teach that as like a like a like a high value you know look out for yourself do what you got to do doesn't matter uh, how it affects other people do what you got to do to get ahead in this life and it's just a terrible mindset and like we've become so disconnected from spirit because of it and the land and um each other really you mean being in a consumption loop <laughs> yeah a consumption loop hellscape of i uh i don't know i don't know how to get out of it except just like be aware of what's going on and try to be a little more mindful yeah yeah but you just i just feel like i've we're still being affected by um like Reaganomics and this idea that yeah. we're deregulating these different industries and different uh, things that were used to be a little more separate. This mm. company was in charge of this. This company was in charge of this. Instead of like thinking you have all like America used to be about choices. Now it's just the illusion of choices. Yeah. It used to be like, oh, you could get this product or this product or you could trust this brand or you could trust this brand or you could have different brand loyalties. And you, but now it's just like, oh, you think you're, uh, you know, trying to be more green by liking, what is it, Tom's? Yeah. Or Burt's Bees or something. And you're like, oh, well, Burt's Bees is just owned by Procter & Gamble now. <laughs> I actually don't know who they're owned by. <laughs> I'm just probably, talking shit, but probably. probably. like, Or Johnson & Johnson who like yeah. poisoned everyone with baby powder or whatever. It yeah. Is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think people are being poisoned by um, deodorants. You know, there, there's like a huge uh, rise in um, male breast cancer. Mm. you know mm -hmm. obviously female breast cancer is out of control but then there's like a big rise in male breast cancer and interesting a lot of people think it's because of uh the shit we put in our armpits well, it's just literally look where you're putting it you're putting like these crazy chemicals that are meant to stop your body from detoxifying right you know like what is that doing and what's in there i, I remember i used to break out like i used to wear deodorant and I, like i'd be like look at my armpits they'd be like red rash you know and i tried to use like the most natural or whatever it would always do that i'm like yeah, i don't think i need to stop i don't do it every day but i do have like a deodorant i like to use that's not antiperspirant I, look i appreciate it <laughs> i've never smelled you 
you know. That's 14 funny. years together. And I, you know. I smell you and I sometimes I smell your armpit and I'm like, damn, you smell like literal wood chips. You're like for not being you're no, it's you're okay. a true man, care. but you're not like a wood chopping man. And I'm like, yeah. how is it that <laughs> I have the I have the attire for it, but <laughs> how is it do that it? your armpit smells like wood chips? Like I was like, I'd bottle this scent. Oh baby. Aww. That's how you know we like each other. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, look, if you're on deodorant, maybe there's other options. I don't know what they are, but there's like a salt thing that you could do. There's yeah. a, a salt option. I don't know. It gets so crunchy. The natural alternatives get so crunchy. But we're just talking to some friends who, you know, they have a ten year old and who's already starting to like show signs of puberty and it's just like, Oh, puberty's happening younger and younger in kids. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, we're just poisoning ourselves. Like we are just the hormones are pumping. Oh my god. Everything's gosh. getting a little discombobulated it seems mm. everything's getting faster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah whether i don't know what it is if it's our demise or uh, like achieving alienhood but it seems like it's happening faster it's like a little bit of both i try not to judge it for that reason you mm. know like obviously i don't want people to be confused about their bodies and stuff like that but at the same time it's like i'm trying not to judge it because i'm like this is this is maybe part of our natural evolution and we should learn how to accept it and work with it and yeah yeah i mean it is it's natural to question your body and be like what the heck is this thing what am i doing why, why am i like why am i stuck as sean did you ever have a moment where you're like why do i have this appendage on my body or did you ever have like this thing that you're like oh this i don't have an appendage like that on my body so i wonder oh, you're talking about my dick yeah i was trying not to say the word but yeah we're far enough into this where we can say penis um no it's weird i haven't been super meta about it but it's kind of crazy probably how much that appendage controls people's outlook on life Mm -hmm. yeah really strange i think i mean at least for me everything in my life i find that i accept things very quickly yeah yeah you know whatever it is i'm just like And you have to, like, kind of shake me out of it sometimes because I just, like, accept new realities or a new way of being or a new mindset or whatever it is. And you're like, Cass, you don't have to feel like this or it doesn't have to be like this. And you can see, like, the bigger picture. And I'll just be like, I don't know. My mom used to say she would just, like, sit me in a corner and just, like, sit there as a kid, you know. I was was like that, too, though. Yeah. But you question the nature of reality probably more than I do. I'm very quick to be like, oh, this is – because I think – what our brains do is like they try to make sense of the story and some people's brains are a little more critical thinking of the story and yeah. then other people's brains are like okay this is the story i'm like chugging along with this new story yeah, I, you know like besides like my my parents or especially my mom being like that i think being interested in history from a young age uh kind of infused that into me you know you learn about some stuff and like i was fascinated with like uh the JFK assassination when I was like maybe like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, mm. I was just like fascinated with it. And like I was taking in all this information and you just like start to question things. You're like, did the government kill this guy? Did, did, did the CIA kill JFK? What do you believe? Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't know what to believe. I don't know. My mom says all the time, she's just like, I just don't understand why we can't elect somebody who is anti-war who you know who is a good person and this and that and i'm like we could they're just gonna be killed like they're gonna be assassinated like you know i don't know all i'm saying is from a from as a young boy 
you get fed this, you get horse fed some BS about this country and our role in things. And you start to lead, read like a little bit more of the radical histories. And then like, it just blows the lid off the whole illusion. And once the illusion about your country gets blown off at, at a young age, you can kind of start to see that in other things. And I'm not saying it's a blessing. I think most times it's a curse. You know, just like the over-questioning of things and authority and suspicion and stuff like that. I mean, it's necessary for me, but I think it, it hasn't always led to the happiest times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Because, I mean, sometimes just being, like, naive is you can have a little bit more of a peaceful existence. Oh, uh, yeah. You just, a, like, you know. It's a relief to get caught up in the dream, to get caught up in the illusion. It's it's nice. <laughs> it feels good. <laughs> and I do it. Totally. Yeah. But things are moving faster, and things seem to be happening faster. And, like, I don't know about you but or the audience or whoever's listening to this, but, like, to me it feels like... A, synchronicities are happening faster and faster and like i i don't want to believe like oh this is something very personal to me i think it's probably happening to everyone if you're paying more attention yeah i think the more mindful the more the more you slow down in a fast universe the more you can see the synchronicities because a lot of times i think they're happening whether you're paying attention or not it's just can you slow down enough to pay attention mm. to recognize to witness to remember yeah. oh my god i'm seeing that and that's so funny because that connects to this thing that i was thinking earlier or whatever it is yeah yeah and sometimes i feel like the synchronicities come like stronger when not only when i don't believe solely that synchronicities come for you if you're like in a high state of being or you know you're you're in this uh, enlightened state i think synchronicities come for you sometimes when you're off track completely and they're like hello hello yeah. wake up pay attention it's or, it's like a magnetic pull back to the oneness yeah that's what it feels like to me i i wonder what synchronicity was you know for most of human history before there was so much stuff to play with you know so many just so many elements you know what I mean? Like when we were when we were cavemen, when we were, you know, just figuring out civilization. Like, were people having synchronicities, or was I, there just not, like it's like, oh, I found a stick. This reminds me of when I found a stick yesterday. That's crazy. I can't believe I found two sticks. What? Look at this animal carcass. That's wild. Can you believe that we found an animal carcass? We were just talking about that last. Like, I don't think that synchronicity was like a huge factor. I think it was a bigger factor. I think it was like you'd wake up and you'd listen to the song of the bird. And you'd be like, what does this mean? Or you'd hear a bird fighting and you'd be like, oh, there might be some like almost like premonition sort of stuff. Or I don't think of that as synchronicity, though. I think of that as like mapping the territory. Mm, I guess you're right. And, and you're setting like setting up for when we could eventually be experiencing those things. And I've always I've always thought of synchronicities as, you know, God's little breadcrumbs. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just giving you a little, a sweet little nod or wake up. Yeah, I think it also. That's what I'm trying to say, though. I think it also happens in a wake up capacity. Like, if you're thinking about something you shouldn't be thinking about, sometimes something will end up being a symbol for not thinking about that thing, and you'll see that symbol again and again. And you're like, at least for me, mm. I have symbols that tell me to remember something, and I have symbols that tell me to forget something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? What's a symbol that would help you forget something? What's that even mean? Mm. I'm trying to think of a good example. 
Well, like a good symbol for something to remember something is like every time I see the number two, three, seven, I think of my family, you mm-hmm. know, that's like a significant number for thinking about my family. And every time I see that number, I'm like, oh, I love my family. I'm grateful for my family. I'm thinking about my family, sending good vibes yeah. to my family. And then, you know, sometimes you have something that you're overthinking about and you're like, you just see something and you're like, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to think about that thing. I just think back in the day we needed less reminders because it's like you didn't need a reminder of your family. You were your family. You were in it. You didn't, you know, like. Yeah, you weren't so distant from your family. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just like, like we've, uh, we've added a layer of like symbolism to things, um, that uh, like I just think like I just don't think was was as necessary or as part of the human experience for a long time right yeah it was tripping me out the other day I was way too high and something happened it was it had something to do with numbers and I was like oh that's crazy I was like did, did people used to have like what were synchronicities like before there were numbers and clocks everywhere and you know just like this is what I picture I picture a butterfly landing on the the nose of a woman you love and then you sit up later and you see your butt left a butterfly pattern and it reminds you of her damn that that's my picture of a synchronicity <laughs> from back in the day that's pretty good that's pretty good you just came like, up with a good one you just see butterflies all over the place yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah we've been doing our thing we're out here we're creeping around cruising we've been partying hard yeah, we we try to see a show every once in a while just to keep us going to church. And we saw what we did three shows this week. Yeah. So it was a spe- especially good week. Yeah, we've been we've gone to three concerts since our last podcast. We went and saw Bob Dylan, the Capitol Theater. Hell yeah. Uh, we went and saw Grateful Shred, Capitol Theater. <laughs> and then last night we were at uh, Spiritualized at Webster Hall. Everyone talks has talked so much. We've seen Bob Dylan twice, and I've really loved it both times. But a lot of a lot of people are like love or hate with Dylan, especially in this era of his like the rough and rowdy tour. And even back to 2013, people were like I saw him in 2013 and he was horrible. Oh, or, dude, go on Reddit and type in Bob Dylan. It's mainly what'll come up is people being furious that they went and saw him and it was terrible. I think a lot of people expect something different they're used to you know the idea of like uh Mick Jagger you know you're 80 and you're just rocking like you always did yeah and Dylan's you know always been I think true to wherever he's at Mm -hmm. you know I think there's a beauty in both approaches like Mick Jagger's just like forever the party yeah and that's beautiful and we're gonna go out there and play faithful rendition of brown sugar every night yeah and then Dylan has you know Dylan's probably written a lot more songs. Yeah. And so there's been a lot more eras of his career. And he's, I think, changed as an artist more Mm. as far as like how he sings, the sound, you know, switching from acoustic to electric, trying different bands. And the Rolling Stones have been, you know, the same band for however many years. Um, and so it's, you know, you got to honor that Dylan's true to himself and where he's at at 80 years old, which yeah. is sitting down at a piano, yeah. singing um, new songs, but then some of the old songs that with a completely different sound. And I think it's a, I love it just as much. It's, it, to me, it's very exciting. I don't know. We, we saw him a couple of years ago in Philly at like, at the Met, like a big theater. 
and it was awesome. I was like, I was very impressed. Yeah. I was very impressed. But this was even better. Smaller theater, the Capitol Theater, just just legendary venue. And uh, it was cool. We took your dad, you yeah. know, which made me nervous because I'm like, I think most people don't like seeing Bob Dylan live, you know, unless you're like a total nerd like us. Like Yeah, where you're looking at the set list even when you're not going to the show. You're just like, oh, he played this last yeah, night. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's me. That's you. I'm like, yeah. you're such a nerd. I know. You're like, guess what Bob Dylan played last night? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why it interests me. It's weird. It's like, well, I mean, at like, I, I think 500 years from now, he's one of the few people that'll even be mentioned from now. You know uh, what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So it feels like, wow, we have access to this now. Like, if it's just like a, a, a just a beautiful living monument to. Well, he's a very significant he, channel. If we, artists are channeling energy, he's been a very, very powerful channel. Yeah. And he's written some of the most powerful, beautiful songs, the most covered songs, the most like, how did this song not exist before him songs, you know? Yeah. Or how does this song exist? Mm -hmm. Like, how did you do this? And then it's also just being an artist yourself. It's probably like you look to other artists to see. How are they doing it? What do they do? What yeah. you know? What other artist is he honoring when he covers a song? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know. It doesn't surprise me. Well, it was cool. We got there early, and uh, because we had general admission, and we didn't know what the situation was going to be, so we're like, let's just get there early. Like, if we can get a great spot, let's do it. And good lord, did we get? We probably had the best spot in the whole place. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. We got in there after being thoroughly searched, like like crazy, like TSA vibes. Just Worse. Worse. People just f fucking yelling at you. You know, it's, it's like you have to go through this crazy portal before you go into shows now of just like being treated like a criminal, being treated like a piece of shit. You know, it, like it, shook down. Like, yeah, I had some like supplements. You had kratom. Okay, I had kratom. <laughs> you can admit it. I can admit it. I had some kratom. I was gonna make. I had done a couple, and I was just like, I had them in my little fanny pack, and they have little leaves on the pill. But like, other than that, it didn't. It wasn't in because it comes in a bigger package. I just had it in a little small package, and yeah. she's like, "You you have to bring these back to the car, or throw these out." And I was like, "What?" And she's like, "I just I you can't identify what these are." And I'm like, "They're kratom. It's legal." And she's like, I'm sorry. And I was like, what? Like, what could these even be? Like, even if these are MDMA or even if these are LSD, what do you think I'm going to do? Go in there and dose everybody? Like, what are you worried about? I what think is the concern? Is it because it like it just felt like the security had gotten a talking to, you know, before the before the show? Yeah. Like, hey, nobody is to cross the line tonight. If you see anyone trying to sneak anything in, drugs or whatever, no one's getting out of line tonight. And, you know, send a shock down their spine before they even go in there. Make them scared before we even go in there type of thing. I just, it makes me appreciate so much venues that aren't up your ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember going to Red Rocks and them being so chill. And I, I get the instinct to hire um like a security team then you say like do your fucking job your job is to make sure no food drink or weapons come in here weapons let's just get real well what that's how i feel like it should about? be especially since you can get food in there it's like oh you have a you had a cookie that got confiscated yeah or you had to throw it out it's like a cookie yeah like what what is this about what why are you taking this or is this just about sending a message you know yeah but when you can go into a place and they're not shaking you down you're like yes 
Yeah, but that's you always, awesome. but you never know when that's going to be the situation. So you always have to prepare as if you're going to be. And uh, luckily, I left all my dabs in the car because if they were sitting there telling me to throw dabs away, I would have been like, "Fuck this show! I'm not even going in here." <laughs> <laughs> Cass, turn around. We're leaving. We're leaving. We're leaving. They tried to take my dabs. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, we got there early. We got in there and like fourth row, like literally. 15 to 20 feet from Bob Dylan. Like, like I wouldn't have even wanted to be any closer. It would have been like, it, it was already, I was directly in Bob Dylan's eyeline. Like, if he looked up, he'd be looking at me. And I'm like a tall person mm-hmm. if, compared to like the people around us. So, yeah, anyway, we got in there early, fucking. And then it was like, like we're in there at 6.30 and he, we knew he wasn't going to go on until 8. So like that, that's the one fatal flaw in a plan like what we were doing. It's just like we're going to have to stand there for at least an hour and a half. Before Whenever I get on. tickets to shows, I always want to see. But when you're like, oh, or you could stand, stand 10 to 15 feet from Bob Dylan, I'm like, all right, fine. I'll freaking stand. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like we're strong. We can do this. That's yeah. kind of what I kept telling myself. And I was strong and we could do it until like right before the show i was like all right he's gonna go on in 15 minutes let me go to the bathroom and just get incredibly high which i did and uh man this hasn't happened to me in a while like it shook me like uh, like, so when you're shook what do you mean well like like i took like like the 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 pen that i brought in there i don't have it right here but like i don't know how it's gonna hit like you know like you could sit there and suck on it and then nothing come out and be like oh damn like the dab didn't hit the coil or whatever but like it did, you know, so like I, I just hit it the same every time and I took a massive hit and like I'm blowing it out in the bathroom and I was like, holy shit, that was a big hit. And I'm like, let me just take one more. <laughs> and I took another one and like literally feel like a little dizzy leaving the bathroom from weed. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's me. I smoke a lot. And I was like, I left the bathroom and I was like, whoa, okay. I was like, I could just caught a really good buzz. This is going to be great. And I was like floating on a cloud back to our spot. And I got back to the spot and like. It's just like my body was just like, huh? you know, and you start entertaining those thoughts like, did I overdo it? And like, for me, once I entertain one of those thoughts, like they start flooding in, mm-hmm. you know, one of them's like, we got in there. Come on. I'll hold the door open for the rest of these invasive thoughts. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, luckily there was like some people around us that were like sitting on the floor. So I was just like, yes, I'm just gonna sit on the floor, you know. No big deal. <laughs> no like, big deal. I'm like laying. I like get down to the floor. I like immediately open up my fanny pack. I'm just like looking for something to distract me. I'm like, huh. And I have this like little roller of like a good smelling thing. I like put that on my wrist and smelled, and that helped a little. And then you handed me a piece of gum, and I was like, Whew. which is a, which is a good secret, I think, if you're feeling in the headspace of like, uh, I took too much nicotine or a drug or something. Like, put a little sugar in your mouth. I will say I've successfully quit that gum and I went like over a month without having it and but I was grateful to have it yeah in my fanny pack cuz I'm like and then we went to the next two shows I'm like damn that gum was really good but I didn't do it yeah because I read about all the additives I'm proud of you and so but I I I I think there's times where you're like all right this might be hormone disrupting but Jesus Christ <laughs> I don't want to pass out, you know? Yeah, yeah, it really helped me a lot. I think what we need to get is um, mint spray. That's my thing. Yeah. I'm um, theory, I'm thinking like They would have taken it. <sighs> they would have said, I don't know, we can't really prove that this is mint, you know? So it's like, We're thinking about doing LSD microdoses in Chicago, so you just like... It's just a spray bottle. Spray, yeah, that'll... <sighs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, like, it's okay. Like, I, it turns out I got the perfect amount high because, like, 
if you can if you can not give in to the like fuck I gotta go or I'm gonna go throw up or I'm breaking out in cold sweats if you can somehow get past that you did get really high you know <laughs> and it's gonna last and it lasted me the whole concert and luckily I don't even think your dad knew what was going on like and and if he wasn't there I would have just come back and been like oh, so I'm too high and I would have been acknowledging it out loud and like just just cursing the rest of the show because then I would have started like rubbing your back and yes, like you would have yeah. been like oh this yeah. attention and then you'd be like yeah. rather than just being like okay I gotta power through this with some breath yeah basically that was it I just like cling to my breath and oh man what a pleasure that we have that <laughs> Well, can we shout out that Jerry Pentecost? Yes. Yes. Our friend Jerry Pentecost is the drummer for Bob Dylan. Yeah. God damn. And it's it was it's so funny because like the band comes out, everyone sets up and it's and like they just start doing their thing. There's like no acknowledgement of the crowd or anything like that. They just go that's just like let's get to work. Bob Dylan comes out exactly at eight PM. Exactly. Yeah. And he plays for two hours. He plays the same like 18 songs. He swaps out like one or two per night. And uh, but it was really interesting. They come out on stage and like right away, I was like, "Damn, Jerry just their la- Bob Dylan's last drummer was great, but Jerry infused his band with some like some swing. Yeah, yeah, like just some really just like some looseness and some swing. And it He's was definitely like, the youngest guy there by like 30 young, years. Yeah, youngest person in the band by far. And uh, the only person in the band that that smiled the whole night, he had a smile on his face the whole night. Like he's just like just happy to be here and smiling and going along. And like the other guys look like they're being held hostage, you know, and have been being held hostage. And like literally, they don't blink or crack a smile or move at all. They just do their job, and uh, they're all fantastic. And they just they they create a beautiful sound that really suits Dylan and his voice and where he's at right now. I just think it's, it's just like was such a trip for us to be like, like, that's Jerry. That's our friend. He used to like have to sleep on the floor of our apartment when his band, like when our friend's band was coming through. Like they He slept on the floor of our apartment so many times. He used to fucking be so poor that I would give him like, I'd be like, hey, I have an old iPhone 4 I'm not using anymore. I upgraded and he'd be like, I'll take it. And then, that, you know, like when I upgrade my iPhone again, I would always send him to Jerry and like he would just, he was just like very thankful that like. You know, well, because like, musicians you, like, are—it's it's like a, it, being a musician is tough. So to, to see a like a musician go from like, you know, a band that's getting like splitting like a couple hundred dollars a night between like five <laughs> yeah, people yeah, yeah. <laughs> to you know, I don't even know how much he's getting paid. But you, I mean, if you're not making a good living drumming for Bob Dylan, I don't know what hope there is in this yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, he's but making no, a good he, living. Yeah, I'm sure he is. So yeah. it's just so exciting. Mm. And like you're like whoa, I mean, who knows if he's even ever had a conversation with Bob because of Bob's like got such a yeah um, reputation of being so. No, I knew my, my dad before we went. My dad was like, you know, um, you know, if Jerry introduces you to Bob, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's just stop right there. I don't think Jerry's met Bob. <laughs> we, like, we we don't know, but I, I don't know. I'm but, sure he's met Bob. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure they've talked, and I'm sure, but you know what I mean. It's just like it seems like Bob seems so just like on his own vibe. Yeah, he's definitely on the spectrum and always has been. And if I had to make another guess, I'd say he might be and has always been a high-functioning heroin addict. I just just throwing it out there. <laughs> For people like, who have no idea what the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Just, just like add those factors when you're like taking in Bob Dylan interviews and even his music and just like the whole aura around him. That makes sense to me. Yeah. You know. You did the math and that's where you ended up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, totally. And like, like his his private life is like a black box. You can't really like find out any information about it. Like I mean, nobody... what private life? He spends every day touring. He's on the road like all the time. He's got he's got past lovers. He's got kids out there. He's you know you just got houses. It's just kind of cool that to be that age and just or even throughout his whole career to see he's probably toured more than any musician. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And like we'll do, you know hundred shows a year yeah which is insane yeah i know it is insane so you he must have to he must really well, love and it. no wonder you can't run around like mick jagger he's doing a hundred plus shows a year the, the stones do uh 12 yeah maybe yeah 20 on a crazy year so um but you know it was interesting like i was fixated the whole time like i was in a damn trance and uh, like it was interesting being in a standing like like being st- standing in a crowd for that and like feeling the energy of the crowd and I was just staring at Bob and like, he cracked a smile a couple times. Yeah. But you know when it was and it's another shout out to Jerry when Jerry did some interesting fill or transition on the drums you, you could see it like Bob would give him a little like he'd be like oh that's good. Yeah yeah no I noticed that too uh, I noticed uh, him looking back and smiling at Jerry too. He like he he yeah. really loves Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. How could you not? Yeah yeah he's. Uh, Infectious. But the funny, funny the funny way that you found out that Jerry was Bob's drummer, it was like the day day after, um, you saw it like an announcement, like. Um, oh no! Just one of these nerds that I followed on Twitter was like, you know, um, check out this picture. I I snuck my camera, you know, because you have to put your phone in a yonder bag when you go in there. But like someone pulled their phone out somehow, and took like this blurry, far away picture, and they're like. Bob's new drummer tonight, Jerry. And I was like, Jerry. And I like zoom in on the picture. And like, like Jerry's a black guy that wears, he's the opposite of me. He's a black guy that wears white, white glasses. Yeah. I'm white and I wear black glasses. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but like I zoomed in and I was like, Jerry. And, and I was like, well, th- if that's not Jerry, I don't know who that, ca- that could be. So I texted him. I was like, Jerry, is there any way you're in Japan right now playing with Bob Dylan? He's like, yeah. How did you know? I was like, I found this crazy I, I saw you in a blurry picture on Twitter, and he's like, could you please send me that picture? Like, <laughs> I'm like, you don't care about this picture, and I send him like this blurry picture, and he's like, yeah, that's me. But, um, yeah, it, that's how I found out that Jerry was in there, and like I told him, I was like, we're going to be at the show, and he was like, he's very psyched, but he's like, I can't really hang out. He's like, the second the show ends, we get in the bus and, and head out. Like, the second it ends. I was like, it's all good. We'll catch up at some point, but, uh, yeah. You know what was wild was um, like the crowd I feel like was like 95% people that get it, knew what they were going to, probably have seen Bob Dylan before. Yeah. But then there's this like wily 5% of the crowd that like probably doesn't see a lot of live music live, first of all. It's like, just like you know, Bob Dylan. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, Bob Dylan. Or like maybe a friend took them or whatever. And I don't know what they think is going to happen. Or what this is going to be like, oh, f- here's some faithful renditions of the old hits, you know, Let me, this can be a nostalgia factory here. And it's like, it ain't that. It is not that. And a couple guys lost their mind in the crowd. That I thought was it a- was a Tourette's outbreak. But- yeah. <laughs> but-, <laughs> but someone, but then we were just like, oh yeah, that was just someone who didn't know what to expect. Because someone was just like, what the fuck is this? It literally like maybe six songs in it just like must have just dawned on this guy like whoa this is what it is this is this is what i signed up for tonight and he, and he goes motherfucker fucking sing motherfucker and that's exactly what he said and i was like my heart sunk and i was like oh 
Bob didn't skip a beat, didn't acknowledge. I mean, you could hear a pin drop in the fucking place when this guy screamed that. You could hear a pin drop between every song. Like, it was a well-behaved crowd. And then there's, like, these just drunk, wily people who, yeah, a couple of them had, like, Tourette's outbreaks. And it was crazy like, just to scream that at a Bob Dylan concert. Did you see the woman who's been to every Bob Dylan show? Isn't there some woman who's gone to every show? And she just goes, yeah, she goes to every show. I didn't see her. But we were also in there so early, and like I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't really get a, a big a read of the crowd until the show started, and people started screaming stuff. My favorite. Is, so when do you think the the Key West song came out? Key West. Yeah. The, his song, Key West. Yeah. It's on Rough and Rowdy Ways. Yeah. So that's my favorite song of for his last album, I guess. Yeah. Pirate philosopher. Yeah. Yeah. Shout that one out. Definitely. Well, he played Stella Blue. Yeah. By well, the dead. We were at Garcia. Uh, we were at um. We're at Capitol Theater. Capitol Theater. Yeah, like that. You know, it's but it, it warms my heart to know that Bob had an understanding of where he was, and that it like this is a this is a Grateful Dead venue. Like this is the this is the place for Grateful Dead on the East Coast, and he just like that he had a sense of where he was and who the crowd was, and uh, hands down, biggest. Applause of the night. I got a lot more applause than his songs. People went crazy. Everyone went bonkos when he played Stella Blue, and it was it was awesome, and it was huge. You know, it was he did a really good version of Stella Blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, And and it's just like I don't know. It warms my heart to see uh, Bob Dylan honor Robert Hunter and and Jerry Garcia. Yeah, really fucking just very very special and rad. We made it through the whole show. Your dad was fine. He had no complaints, you know? No, totally. I don't know about you, but I mean, we've been going to shows for so long and I see people who don't seem to like have an issue standing. Like, I don't, you know, know. we've been going to shows for decades together and like you and I always like need to bend over and like stretch our legs and are like always like being like, but, and then I see all these other people who just like, who are older than us out of shape. You know, and they seem fine. I, well, they but don't that's skip the whole thing. Beat. Are they fine though? Because I probably look fine. No, you don't. Look but fine. like, I, <laughs> <laughs> you don't look fine. No, <laughs> you look like a guy who's like, all right, I gotta bend over, and I yeah. mean, you look fine while you're standing, but I don't see as many other people being like, all right, let me touch my toes, or like, let me sway a little bit, and and maybe it's because we have both have scoliosis. That maybe is, I don't know. Yeah, just baby bitches. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, either way, like, uh, I think it's good that if, if you're feeling tight to stretch, like what the <laughs> hell, <laughs> Yeah. I think those people are just faking it. It's a, it's, that's a long time to stand. And for me, I'm like, I'm like dancing a little bit. So there is like a little bit of extra stress on certain parts of my body. And I just literally, I need to stretch a couple times during the show. I need to do planks. I need to do whatever it is. Like now that I'm I'm filming and when I've been doing sound and anything, I'm like, I need, like, my job now is requiring me to be strong. You need to be strong, baby. Yeah, I got to do planks and yeah, lifts and whatever. Enough's enough with this baby bitch shit. Yeah. Like, it's time to enter your, your the power age. strong Amazon woman phase of your life. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, so, just a great time, and I, I just, I couldn't thank your dad enough. I said, thank you so much for going with us, because it's like, to me, it's important to make, uh, like, big core memories like that with our parents. Like, they're getting older. Like, I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to even be able to drag them to shit like that. Yeah, I was, I was talking to a friend, and she was like, who are you hanging out with? Like, what's life like since you, like, moved out of the city and stuff? I'm like, honestly, 
our best friends are our parents. Yeah. Like, and it's awesome. We're yeah. getting better along with your parents, my dad, my mom. Like, I mean, we've always gotten along with all of them really well, but like even better and yeah. in a truer way, in a more genuine way, in a more relatable way, in a, a celebrating of interests together. And whether it's like doing, trying to learn how to play music with my dad or yeah. go to concerts or like make art with my mom or, yeah. you know, the political discussions we have with your parents, you know, it's like, it's kind of really cool. Yeah. Well, they've met us halfway by starting to take weed and acid. <laughs> <laughs> so so they feel more relatable. Yeah, we're, right? we're on a similar prescription. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Edibles and acid. Yeah. It'll get you aligned, your family unit aligned. You want to align your family unit? Just fucking drug everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, it does, it does, it strips away like a layer of like surface fucking muck and algae and just like, you know, they're just disgusting. It's like, it's just like, it's just like bringing a skimmer across the pool. Just makes it nice. It makes it so you could see down into the depths. And yeah, because there's like a deeper acknowledgement because everyone's kind of like going through that personal trip of, I'm sure, what you were feeling on uh, too much weed or whatever. You're just like, what is life? And then you're, you don't really take, moments or people for granted when you're just like the ground you stand on is a little more wobbly because then you're not you're not as righteous or whatever it is and whatever your opinion is it's very yeah that's what it is i think that that's what i mean by saying like our parents have met us halfway is like they've you know they haven't taken as much psychedelics and weed as us but they've taken our lead on the on self-humbling and well and i think also we've been humbled a lot and so we've gotten a lot older and mature in the last decade you know and yeah. less righteous and a less a lot less like proselytizing you know and like the less we proselytize and the more just culture shifts and honestly in some ways in our favor at least yeah you, well the, the reason we don't proselytize is because we don't need to oh yeah it's like okay, everything we used to like feel the, we, the need to loudly preach about is I used like to be become like, part of Dad, mainstream. Like these drugs are going to be legal, and you're going to have not taken advantage of the fact that you have a daughter who like has access to the best freaking drugs. He's like, I, it's I, I hear you, but I have a pain in the ass fucking girlfriend, and I can't do that <laughs> kind of stuff now. And the second she was gone, he was like, "Where's that Molly? What's going on? Let's get some acid going." Total party boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so then um, a couple nights later, we're back down there at the Capitol Theater. Same thing though with security; like they got me that time. I can't. They they were like really thoroughly searching me. We met our friends uh, Judy and um, what's her boyfriend's name again? Matt. Mhm. Yeah, we hung out with Judy and Matt. It better be Matt. Dude, yeah. Fucking trip me out. I when I look at him, I just every time I've I've met him, I'm like Matt. So I hope that's his name because he seems like he he looks like a Matt or a Matthew. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, so we met up with Judy and Matt, and this time it was good. We had seats. We were up in the balcony, and um, we didn't really take any drugs for Bob Dylan, which I think was good. I, I mean, obviously, I, I did that weed, but like uh, on this one, we were like, let's let's get lit. You know, we're going to see a Grateful Dead cover band. Like, we know what this is going to be. We love this band. You know, it's going to be reliable. Let's spice things up a little bit. I, I honestly, by the time, I had lost all the spice by the time the show started. It's so hard to time it. It's so hard, it's so hard to time LSD with live music unless you're doing it at the show. And now now I'm starting to understand why people, like I always thought like my friend 
Ted, who would be like, oh, yeah, I d- I'm like, when do you dose for, like, a dead concert? You know, or we'd see Dead and Company with him. He's, he's like, like, oh, as I'm walking in. As you, yeah. I'm like, like, what? I'm like, I had a dose, like. Hours, hours before. before. But maybe it's smart because you dose as you're walking in and you have that. The come up is, like. Your, it's where it's at. It's like your it's your first bardo. It's like the yeah. oneness, you yeah. know? Like maybe that is what's up. But I just I don't want to miss a night of sleep, you know? I got things. I'm less I'm worried like, about that than kind of this thing that I was describing happening where you at sit Bob down. Dylan where yeah, it's just like damn, I'm going through it. Like yeah, like <sighs> But maybe that's why the music helps you not go through it or not not yeah. go through it, but go through it where it's like hold especially dead yeah, where that's it's the like idea. holding your hand. Yeah. I mean, my thing is like physically like I like to like lie down sometimes yeah yeah so it's to me it's always been kind of i need to get in the fetal position for at least an hour and then writhe around for two hours and then figure out how to walk again and like doing that in public seems crazy we have done it but but there is something to like powering through and maybe being at a concert on the come up yeah is kind of like you stand up and you're just like with it you know you're not like my mom when she does acid she won't sit down or lie down because she's like if i lie down i won't get back up again it's crazy. She's only done it a few times, and I like learned from her. I'm like, that's the move. You don't give in. You don't give in. You have to keep the inertia of your day going mm-hmm. and just let this enhance it. Yeah. Not let it completely take you down, but like, I don't know. It also might be the difference between men and women and just where your mom's at in her life or whatever. But man, if I take the amount she takes, I literally need to just be left alone for three hours. And And you could set your watch to it. It's like... Three hours goes by and I'm like, cool. I'm ready to be the funniest person ever. Let's go. But timing it for a concert was tough. Like we had, we we started taking, we woke up and we started taking micros and they were just, they, they just hit us so incredibly hard. It was like hard to imagine even going to a concert. And then by the time we were going, we were totally fine. And like you're saying, some of the spice had worn off. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You're always, we're always dialing it in. All these substances and yeah. having the most ecstatic live music experiences. Because it is church for us, you know, like Church of Chill is really just saying the Church of Chill is going to, is live music, is music, is, is that is the sacrament. So it's just more of a larger umbrella on what we believe because, you know, I think you can process a lot of that stuff in that space and um, be purified, cleansed. It feels almost exactly like church to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because because a lot of times I'll go into like a, a transcendent trance, like where it's just like like it almost feels like a K hole. Like on the other side of it, like the first time a thought comes in in a while, you're like, whoa, I was just like empty for a second of of that chaos and those thoughts. I was just like locked into the music and just like letting that fill my psyche as opposed to all this other shit that I normally allow in. And it's so useful, and I do feel reborn when we leave. Yeah, the, I, I think uh, the third show that we went to spiritualize was probably the most cleansing of the three. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's, you kind of, not warned me, but you, like, gave me a heads. I was like, I don't really know what to expect, you know, and you were just like. Beauty. Yeah, and it was. It was really beautiful, and and at first, I, was, I had such a funny experience of thoughts of, like. Take oh, me through take me through take you through my thoughts well i just kind of like was like okay i see what this guy's doing and then you know he was like kind of would go into you know where like the 
what do you call that when it's just like like uh, feedback not just feedback but you know where the song where everyone's like on a guitar solo and everyone's yeah. just like noise and it's like yeah. wall of sound like Ugh. that's a good way of describing it and so you're just like okay this is cool and then he went into it again on another song and i was like twice in one song and i was like usually i'm like all for this like when i see the meat puppets i'm like give it to me more like i want it from yeah. the fucking beginning to the end but this yeah. i started to feel like hmm is this self-indulgent you know what i yeah, mean yeah, i was yeah. just like is this just like trying to get me to an ecstatic experience for ecstatic experience's sake but then he took it they took it so far that I was like, okay, you earned that one. You know what I mean? It went oh. from being like, okay, great. If you're going to give me what you just gave me, like this is self-indulgent. You're not taking me anywhere. You're just like uh, jacking off in, in, in whatever f- this land is of like noise and guitar yeah, yeah. and whatever. <laughs> but no, they took it far. Maybe the yeah. farthest I've ever seen music take it. Yeah. Where it just was like high-pitched noise. But you, it, it was earned. Everything was earned. That's what I appreciated about it. And so I went. I had a 180 from being like, "Oh, this is this is great. This is I usually love this, but this just feels like self-indulgent." And they're just trying to click the box of like making us have like a weird experience. But then the experience was like went so far. Yeah, that uh, it clicked over to something real for you. Oh yeah, totally. I think that's why they play for two and a half hours. Yeah. You know, it's just like, and and again spiritualized zero acknowledgement or audience of the audience or anything like that wasn't playing to the audience he's not even facing the audience he's sitting in the chair facing his band slightly not even angled towards the audience slightly angled back away from the audience sitting in a chair sunglasses and he just has his music in front of him and he's playing and uh yeah it's beautiful he's like a very sensitive soul and I think part of what you went through, like especially not being familiar with the with the music, and it's like all their songs sound like the biggest thing ever. They all sound like the beginning of the most epic show ever or the end of the most epic show ever. So yeah. like two and a half hours of that, you you can get a little like, is is this the big grand finale? I've never heard something get built up this big. You know, like like it'll start with just like a, like a couple little notes on a guitar, and then his voice is like very soft, and he's got these angelic backup singers that start coming in, and like the, ten minutes later, you're still in the same song, and it's just like, bum, 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 you know, like crazy, and every song is kind of like that. Every song has some element where you're just like, how is this not in every movie during the credits? Mm-hmm. So. uh yeah, it was a, it was a test of endurance too. Everyone was loving it though, so it really made it like a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, know? and like the conversations that I could overhear between songs uh, seemed like people really being like understanding that we were witnessing something very special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh damn! Wow! Whoa! Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Just blown away. I mean, and also like incredible sound. Webster Hall is one of my favorite venues in New York City. Uh, incredible sound, and they're not afraid to play it loud, like to where. Your whole body's shaking. The floor of the place is, is vibrating. It's, That's when I would pass out from weed. Uh, yeah. I have to be careful about how yeah. much weed I take because once you can turn it, tune into other people's conversations, the floor vibrating, the lights flashing. Like yeah. I was having closed-eyed, insane visuals from having my eyes closed, but the lights were flashing. Oh, so last night? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Like it, it, it felt like that e- EMDR, EDMR. That's what I kept thinking too. Yeah. I was like, is this helping me in some way? <laughs> uh, yeah, I tried to <laughs> think it was. I have to, like, when, when the lights are that crazy, I have to close my eyes and put my head down. 
I have my eyes closed most of the show anyway, but like especially when there's like strobes and stuff like that, I'm like I don't I don't want to attempt a seizure or anything here. <laughs> I don't know. It runs in the family. I I don't even know. <laughs> oh man! But it was it was a such a damn pleasure. It was like such a just a, a perfect way to end a perfect weekend when going to three shows and and rocking out and like that one truly felt like. I, I talk about being in a trance. Like it didn't feel like two and a half hours to me at all. Like I, I just closed my eyes and just got into the music. And next thing you know, it was time to go. And I was like, fuck, that was so special. I hope someone has a recording. of it. You start clinging to it. You know, you start like, I recorded know, some of it on my phone and then I played it back and I was like, Oh, that sucks. That would be next to impossible to get a bootleg in there off your phone because it's so, it's so loud that everything would be overmodulated. I would, and that's how it sounded on your thing. But yeah. if there's a proper bootleg of that, we need to find it and people should seek that out. Yeah. Really rad. Listen to spiritualize, listen to spacemen three, spacemen three came first and then the guy broke off and made spiritualized. Uh, yeah, we have the Spaceman 3 album on vinyl, and it's awesome. Recurring. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good K-Hole album. Yeah, somebody was asking us right before we went on the show. I was like, oh, we're going to see Spiritualize. They're like, what is it? I was like, I uh, I, I, was like, I don't know. Uh, drug music, I guess? Like, would I imagine ketamine music being? Mm. is That's what I'd, I'd put it in that category. Yeah, it'd probably be good for that. <laughs> <laughs> it has been because we've played we've played spiritualized or spaceman 3 on church chill many times while we're doing ketamine huh yeah yeah it'll take you on a trip yeah mr toad's wild ride <laughs> <laughs> yes anything else my love <laughs> what was that? What were we talking about before we were singing? Before we were, we were talking about strange, um, unexplainable, like spontaneous occurrences of crowd participation in music that uh, is unexplainable. The origins of it, for example, biggest example that I can think of: Sweet Caroline. Ba, ba, ba. Good times never felt so good. So good, so good, so good. Everything you just sang, both those things, da, 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 so good, so good. No one knows where that came from or when it started. It's not part of the recording. Neil Diamond like, it didn't have anything to do with it. It's just something. He wasn't like, and now you're going to go, so good, so good. There was No, there was just like, no one can trace when that started or why. So Isn't funny. that crazy? Well, I th that's where it just is like it completes a circuit. You know, those yes. are like fully completed circuit songs. Yes, yes. And I, when we were making music with Noah like a couple weeks ago, you guys were playing this song and he added a part and you guys were both like, and then I, I guess you removed it or something and you were both like, I wasn't as tapped in as you guys were at that time, but you're like, we can hear that part. Like, yeah. like it was just so perfect that you guys could both hear an element of the music. That wasn't when, there that yet. That wasn't there yet. Yeah. And we both could hear it. And then he just, he's such a good musician and producer and everything. He just was, was able to kind of get that sound and, and put it into the song. It was so cool. There's another one, though. There's another one in that uh, Billy Idol covers that song, uh, Mone Mone. Mm. You know? It was a big hit for him. It, it, Here she comes around singing Mone Mone. Every now and then, all right now. 
there's a crowd participation in that that started in 1987 where like here she comes round saying money money and then like the crowd says like get fucked get laid blah 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 and like everyone shouts the same thing at the same time right and like this started in 1987 so like people have like tried to look into like okay how did this how did this come about and like there's even interviews with billy idol where he's like i have no idea (laughs) it just started at one show and he's like the first time i heard it was in australia but then we're playing in north carolina and the people are doing the same thing then we played in texas and the people are doing the same thing it was just like this is before the internet these are like like the original memes like how did this catch on how did this become a thing well and it's also probably like it, it it's it plays in one stadium theater and it gets or um in one arena and it like gets uh cellularly downloaded to everyone else you yeah. know what i mean they say that like if a mi- if mouse a mouse mice in the uk do a uh what do you call those things Puzzle? maze a maze yeah that they'll learn it 10 times faster in the us the same maze yeah because it's like been downloaded to the mainframe so maybe it's something like that i don't know yeah yeah it's just fascinating there's probably countless examples but like just the, these these weird little cultural phenomenons that like they they just pop up and no one ever really even questions them but if you think about it you're like it is kind of trippy that. do you do you do you have any this is making me think this is probably like a side thing but do you just do you have any songs where you've like thought the lyrics were something that they were and then found out like decades later that you're like, whoa, that's what they were saying? I thought they were saying something else. Yeah, a million times. I just can't think of a lot of examples. Okay, my big example is The Darkness where he goes, I believe in a thing called love. Mm-hmm. Just, just listen, listen to the rhythm of my heart. But then there's like one part where he goes, guitar. Yeah. And I always thought it was, hi-ya. <laughs> That's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> and then there's an outcast song where it's b- bombs over Baghdad, and I always thought it was y'all go to Baghdad. And then I'm sure I could think of other examples, but I don't oh even man, know. you probably have more of these than most people. Yeah, because I'm a dope. No, no, I'm not <laughs> saying you're a dope, but like you get in your head something, and it's very hard to convince you otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Challenging your initial instinct is a really, it it's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> but. It can be done. It can be done. Yeah. I, I, I'm I willing to change my mind on things. I want to. You know? Nothing is more boring and uptight than, to me than, like, be, uh, I know everything. I know everything I need to know. My opinions are so firm that they're not going to evolve, like... That's why it's so weird up. that people are scared of, like, new information. It's you, a dead giveaway. Yeah, you're just like, you're scared of finding out an alternate perspective of this thing that's going on. Yeah. Cuz it might challenge where you firmly root yourself. Yeah. And maybe we don't well I think people feel very comfortable being firmly rooted in something. Mhm. So, it can be a little disorienting. Yeah, and well and, and people end up hiding behind that and it really it'll stunt your growth. And then you also have to like if you do change your view, you there's a part of you that like has to acknowledge and like apologize or feel shame or whatever That's it is. That's the best. Where you're like, oh man, I was not taking this aspect of things into account. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's happened with us countless times on here. 
Mm-hmm. We're, yeah, we're, we're going hard in one direction and we're sounding very convincing. But again, we're just like exploring these ideas for the first time a lot of times on recording. And then we end up talking about them more after we'll like put out a podcast where we're like, here's the hill we're going to die on. And then we talk about it more and it's just like, man, there's really no hill to die on. <laughs> there really is. There's no hill worth dying on. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm easily swayed um, and, and pulled around or whatever, but if there's if there's new information or something that's going to help me have a better understanding of things a more nuanced detailed understanding of things i want that you know my 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 tightrope's not not that uh crazy it, you know i can i can handle it i can handle more information i can handle uh evolving i can handle being wrong really that's that's what it comes down to you know i think you like for example like when the vaccines first came out like I was getting all of my information through you, everything, everything about coronavirus, COVID, everything. Well, I was very quick on it. I, I, you knew about it and you knew it was coming to our shores for months before. You were talking about it in like December. You were like, yo, this is no joke. And I was like, sounds scary. I don't want to know about it. <laughs> sounds scary. I don't want to know about it. And then all of a sudden, like everything was for getting the record, shut down. For the record, though, I wasn't like, we have to do the vaccine. I never no. put any pressure on you to take the no. vaccine at all. No, but it was uh, like... This country, this world became a pressure cooker. Yeah. And you know how important my family is to me. Yeah, yeah. And I needed to see them. Like, I can't just leave them here. So I needed to see them. And it just felt like we weren't allowed to. And then all of a sudden, if you did this thing, you could. And uh, that it was so simple, I chose to believe it. Because it would allow me a pathway to seeing my family again. I, I still don't necessarily believe that taking it was a mistake i do think it's it saved a lot of lives what i do think was a mistake is believing that taking it made you safe and made you safe to be around people it's like it all it became this it kind was of crazy thing where it's yeah. like i mean like i'm like i got covid from people who had been vaccinated i gave people covid who have been vaccinated we got vaccinated we still got and gave covid to people and it was still pretty bad and I, well you at least gave it to each other i don't know i don't think i can't think of other people we gave it to but i know between us we probably gave it to each other yeah yeah but um all, all i'm saying is like look when they first rolled this out it's just it seemed like cool we got this it's taken care of you know like uh, i i purposely and it was it was subconscious, but I was choosing not to think too hard about it because it uh, just gave me the intellectual workaround to start being around people again. And I, I just felt like, cool, that's a convenient excuse. I can go be around people again. And so I took it. And and people that were close to me, I encouraged. Like the only person I could think of is Mayor, who was like, you know thinking about this in the right way actually she was questioning things and she was like no we're not like we're not going down this path and i just gave her talking to one day and it's the only person i would do this to like somebody that's close to me i care about and someone that you're dating i'm dating you're part of my family we're going to see my family i want to be able to see them could you please do this thing so caitlin doesn't end up in the hospital with covid she has no immune system because of uh epilepsy and all the experimental drugs she's on but uh, and and mayor did it you know, and that, that's something I look back on. I'm like, that's cringe. You know, I've talked about it on here, but I I, I wouldn't put myself as an anti-vaxxer or whatever, because um, I think there are vaccines that, that do work and have helped us get to I this point. I don't even know that the COVID vaccine doesn't work. I think that... I do. 
I, I don't. I think that there's like a lot of studies that I do trust, like whether it's coming out of Japan or whatever, that, you know, it, it decreased people in the hospital and that sort of stuff. I, I just, I, what I'm more interested in saying is like, people should be able to make the choices for themselves, given that the reality of it is it's not. You taking the vaccine, I don't believe, affects people enough for you to not work if you decide that you don't want to take the vaccine. Do you know what I mean? Uh, that was an the, awful position to put people in. Uh, yeah, I, and I never stood for that. Like, you I've can't never. participate in society if you don't take this shot. Like, that's not what this country is. That's that's not what we're all about here. I think, and I think honestly, more people would have taken it if it was elective. Elected. Elected. Elective yeah, and if and I mean, if it wasn't rushed to market, if it wasn't um, coinciding with record profits for the companies that produce them, you know, like it's just like there's just so many suspicious things that you look back on now, and you're like, oh yeah, the wool got pulled over my eyes. I'm not proud to say it, but uh, yeah, it definitely happened. I'm apologetic to anyone that I made feel weird. You know, that's really really it, and I I didn't even make it my business to do that. Really, besides like with Mayor. Someone very close to me. I'm like, we're spending all of our time together. If you wouldn't mind getting this shot so we could be around my sister Katie, that would be awesome. And she did it. To her to her credit, she did it. <laughs> I don't know if she'd call it to her credit. I w- I'm saying, like, like she did that for me. It, it just showed the level of, of, like, love and respect that we had for each other because she's not easy to convince of anything. And, um, you know, neither am I. And I think that's kind of why she trusted it because it was coming from me. I was just like, could you do this thing, please? And then, like, I don't know, the second I got this, the second I got the second one, I was like, I wish I did. Like, it was just, I'm sorry. You can say, oh, there's a study in Japan that says. My body was like, I don't like this. Yeah. I listen to my body. I trust that more than some study that was cooked up by people who are ultimately profiting off either the study or the vaccine. So I trust my body, and my body was like, I don't like this. I felt weird. I felt like there was a foreign entity in me. I felt sick from the vaccine. Um, COVID was still horrible. Like, I don't know if it decreased it or prevented me from going in the hospital. Like, that's all the bullshit they want us to perpetuate. But also the people who haven't gotten uh, the vaccine have got, like, horrible fucking experiences with COVID. Like, probably even worse. And it's like, who knows? I don't know, but I think it's like, I think at the time... With the information we had, we made the best decision we could. And then with the information you had of having the experience with the second vaccine, you made the best decision you could to say, I'm done doing this. And I went to take the third one because we had to for for work. And then I just, you know. You forged mine. Because I, for, I was like, yeah, my baby's heart. I don't know what the hell. Like, I COVID's bad for you. Vaccine's bad for your heart. Double a dose in it. I don't know. I don't think it's. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's no amount of boot. Like, what what was the what was the the amount of boosters where you could find yourself in the clear? They're, they're like that. That's the whole thing. It'll just continue forever. And that that's to me was was the dead giveaway of that whole thing. It's just like, oh yeah, now you're gonna need boosters. You need another booster. Go get another booster. Well, hearing my friend who what? works in, um, she helps people like physical therapy for people who like have traumatic brain injuries or different things. She's like, I mean, people come in from covid like having covid but people are also come in from like getting the flu vaccine yeah like can really screw people up so i don't know i think that's just what life is for us as people is having to slow down like we were talking in the beginning and listen to your body and listen to what's right for you Mm -hmm. and i think you know and 
And that's, I think, what's going on right now with bigger questions of, like, what's right for our world? And a lot of people are like, peace is what's right. Being anti-war. There's, I, I think if you don't feel like a good amount of shame about what's going on in our world, you're like completely cut off from, mm-hmm. and you know, I try and I think the idea is not to like, yeah, but you're also speaking from a place of a deeply shameful person. And I, I personally have been there and I don't think that there is any prescription for the amount of shame anyone needs to feel. I don't think, uh, yeah, maybe it's a I'm necessary not s- emotion. Maybe I'm not saying it right, but I, I, and maybe that's not what I mean to say. I just mean to say, like, things are topsy-turvy and yeah. maybe shame's not the emotion. Yeah, if it doesn't hurt your heart, you're probably just not paying attention. And and that's okay, too. And that's because okay not every Because, you know, a lot of people's hearts hurt just from what's going on in their personal world. And they don't need to zoom out and be like, let's, uh, let's cast our net a little farther and wider to pull in anxieties from foreign lands. Like, that's not everyone's prerogative. No one should feel bad about not doing that or not feeling shame or anything like that. I think you should have values and principles that you stand behind when it, when push comes to shove, where the rubber meets the road, you stand up for those things. But um, here in America, we're pretty well protected. We're extremely well defended. I, I, you know, I don't know what you want me to say about it, but I don't think people need to go carrying around shame. Yeah, and no, I appreciate that perspective. Yeah, we've been talking about that a lot lately. You know, yeah, you're, you're, you have proclivity to, to beat yourself up or figure out how you caused the conflict in Ukraine. If I just wouldn't have fucking said that thing that day and that person wouldn't have done it, you know, like you will come up with, you will come up with crazy complex narratives where things that were your fault have nothing to do with you. And all I'm saying is that's, that's what I hear when you say like, if you're not carrying shame, it's like, you don't need to do that. You you don't need to carry shame at all. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think, I, I, th- I think our just, our hearts know the truth, you know? Yeah, and, our and, bo- and, like and that's our, why that's it hurts. That's more like what I was trying to that's, say. That's why it hurts. Because we know it's wrong. We know what's going on. And like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of why I've been avoidant to talk about all this stuff in too great of detail. Is because, uh, first of all, I want to be more informed. Uh, and secondly it's like does it does it really matter what i what i say or think about it or does it matter how i act in my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. yeah when people start running their yaps and whether they know it or not start speaking genocidal language i speak up i speak up i speak up with more fervor than most people ever would dare yeah because i don't i don't care i'll i'm willing to alienate myself in those moments yeah but for the most part, that's not the case. You know, everyone I've talked to, whether they are extremely misinformed or, or less misinformed, because we all are misinformed, everyone I talk to wants peace. They want the killing to end. They want uh, very simple things like people to be able to live their lives. How we get there is a whole different thing. And uh, I've also heard some just extremely atrocious things that are steeped in racism and indoctrination and it's uh extremely concerning for our future that you know we can label compartmentalize and then eradicate sections of our population as opposed to listening to them more and doing something for them and truly doing something for them 
not just making them more desperate and out of control. So, uh, yeah. You, you're you dying to talk about this stuff on the podcast. No, I'm not. And I'll do no, it with you. I, I will t- do it with you. I feel you. like we talked about it. I don't need to talk about it. No, no, no. Here, here, right uh, now. We, we talk about this and we talk about it up, up on or off the thing. You're... I feel like you feel guilty that you're not out there uh, speaking, you know, something you want to say. So I'll definitely hold space for it. I'm saying maybe we should do it on the Patreon. Okay. (laughs) You know, I'm totally down to do that. But like, uh, yeah, we live in a world where you get uh, quickly labeled. You can get demonetized. You can lose your career. You can alienate yourself by just trying to kind of figure out what your opinion is or what's even going on here. So I'm willing to explore that with you, and I have been willing to. I've just been very hesitant to do it on a recording because, like I'm saying, our opinions change so much. Yeah, no, and I think the bigger a point of what I was trying to make, and maybe it's not a good point, it's one that, like, that's why I appreciate you so much because you help me, like, keep perspective in, like, a bigger sense and... Like, my instinct is to, like, look for ways of feeling blame and shame and yeah. all these, like, things that actually, whether, don't necessarily inspire, can, but don't necessarily inspire uh, more harmonious and loving uh, yeah. actions. Um, but I think, I think, uh, I just, I being an American and every day waking up more and more to like atrocities uh, that we commit or just the, the, the dark side of the privilege that a lot of Americans have us ourselves included. Yeah. And the more we get like globally connected and have been globally connected, the more I think we've been aware, but it's in a beautiful way. It's harder and harder to keep, blinders on to the effects of like our consumerist instincts you know Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah and so it's kind of like a it just makes me want to like simplify and simplify and consume less and create more and love more and find more like peace within my heart and with our families and um yeah there's just there's just like this thing where you just feel like i'm not doing anything but i'm consenting do you know what i mean like my my existence is is consenting, so mm. it's just like a weird push and pull. I think I go through. Yeah, I just don't want you to go there because I think it it shrinks us. Yeah. It it ultimately like the joke's on us. Yeah. Yeah. You feeling bad about like feeling the the, the shame and guilt uh, about something that is completely out of our control across the world is doing nothing but limiting your spirit from expressing itself fully through our projects yeah I, th- I think channeling that motivation and i feel like we've been felt more motivated lately you know to focus on our art to focus on our projects to say something whether it's saying something specific or saying something broader but just like trying to keep a true message in your heart and then speak to that message and believe in that message and double down on that message you know yeah anyway so the the illusion is that you are just you and that you're not your brothers and sisters and the other things yeah. that you see here, that yeah. you're disconnected from that. No. That's the illusion. And I think what we try to, our films 
this is the best I can do is make films that I feel like are the antidote to that. And if someone were to stumble across it, they think they're going to watch something that further otherizes, and they think that otherization is their medicine, and they get actually the opposite, and they get something that's the antidote to that. And they start to see themselves in really fringe communities that we focus on. Mm -hmm. And when you can do that, you're starting to break the illusion a little bit. If you could see yourself in a juggalo or a sex worker or a drug addict or a gambling person or a mystic or, you know, or a homeless guy or whatever. Yeah, well, we're, we're always all on both sides of, like, the oppressed and the oppressor. Yeah. You know. Do you want to go over to the Patreon? Yeah, if you're down. Yeah, If down. you're down. Um, yeah, we, we have more to say. Um, sorry, we're being a little self-censoring these past couple of weeks on here. You know we have opinions. You know we have things to say. It's just uh, feels very risky, you know. I th we have ads playing before this podcast for Israel, you know. Like if you if you just click on this and you don't have an ad blocker, chances are an, an ad trying to say how scared we should be of Palestinians will come up. And so it's just... It's just a, I'm sorry, a, a, a lot of this stuff has just triggered my paranoia because we've been demonetized so many times and shut down and our films disappear and well, like, we're not in control. I think so. there's that paranoia and then there's also the paranoia that you could say something that could radicalize someone else in a way that isn't like seeing the whole of humanity on on all the sides, yeah, you know, exactly. where you're just like, the last thing that I think anyone wants to do right now is to do anything to like increase hate and division mm -hmm. and anger you know but at the same time we're just like whoa wild times we'll attempt to uh get our opinions our current opinions across on the patreon maybe or well, maybe yeah. we'll just have fun who knows we, we look we, we could we have, have we, we could do both we could do both but yeah. yeah we're gonna try to get some things across that i'm sorry we've been a little bit uptight about i don't uh, think anyone cares they get their they okay. get their information from more <laughs> yeah. reliable sources than us yeah, that's sure. what i'm saying but but it is interesting to get people's opinion and hear what they say and where they stand and I think you know firmly where we stand in any world conflict, and it's on the side of the oppressed. So um, we'll talk in more detail about that. Patreon.com slash Church of Chill. Deeply appreciate you listening to our wild ramblings <laughs> <laughs> and joining us and keeping us company. Thanks so much. Peace, love, and magic. <laughs>